Welcome to Get Unstuck. Move forward with your life with Jason Hopkins. Over the next hour, you will be given valuable tips and tools you can use to overcome what keeps you stuck. Now, here is Jason. Welcome to Get Unstuck, Move Forward With Your Life. I am your host, Jason Hopkins. Thank you for joining us today. Get Unstuck Radio is inspired by my own journey of navigating this thing called life. More than a decade ago, I faced my own dark night of the soul, a painful chapter that robbed me of my mind, my money, and my way. After a series of catastrophic setbacks upended a lifetime of work, I was left with two choices, to end it all or to begin again. Fortunately, with a mustard seed of faith, I chose to walk forward with a new commitment to serve others. Over the last decade, I have faithfully worked to evolve the narrative of how the world sees mental health. By recognizing that everyone struggles, sometimes we all need new insight and a different perspective to see life more clearly. Not only is this show the birthplace of my own efforts to overcome life's challenges, but a safe space to meet other champions who, even after their own setbacks, still bravely show up and serve others. Get Unstuck Radio highlights the phenomenal people who have joined me along the way. It is a place to share their stories, which will hopefully spark inspiration in your own life. Together, we celebrate our individual capacity to move forward and get the lives we truly desire. Each week, a distinguished guest will share their own unique perspective about what it takes to move beyond stuck and share their true, achieve their truest potential. Regardless of where you are, I am hopeful you will discover the inspiration and courage to make an impact in your own life. Let's get started. Today, I'm honored to have Kelly Ryan and Karen Bird joining us. Kelly and Karen co-authored a memoir, Warrior Sisters. One was a drunk and the other a junkie. To help each other, they had to save themselves first. Warrior Sisters is a compelling story that describes the insidiousness of addiction, the potential and promises fulfilled in recovery, and the power of love. Author Claudia Black called Warrior Sisters truly inspirational and went on to share how this family memoir captures readers by the candidness and vulnerability of the authors Kelly and Karen, sisters raised in an abusive alcoholic family. Their life stories reflect familial pain, consequences of different ways of coping, and the search for ways to emotionally and physically survive. Welcome, Kelly and Karen. I'm grateful to you both for being here today for another episode of Get Unstuck Radio. Thank you so much for having us. So I've read your incredible book, and I just want to say for anybody that's listening, you should pick up a copy of of Warrior Sisters. Um, I'm going to say that throughout the course of this. Um, I was so inspired by just the raw emotion of how you guys shared your stories and and knew I had to have you as a guest because, I mean, I think, you know, for most of us, whether it's a personal story or somebody that we know, a loved one, a coworker, we all likely know somebody that's facing something that that may have a hold or a grip on them that they're not thriving through. Um, tell us a little more about your individual stories. Karen, I know you were you were wanting to to share first here. So tell us a little bit more about you and, and your backstory. Yes. Um, uh, my name's Karen, obviously, and I always want to follow that up with, and I'm a. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, um, <clears throat> I am an alcoholic and a, and a, and a drug addict and, and I've been in recovery for nine years. Okay. And, <clears throat> um, boy, it's hard. It's hard to, uh, I was born, we were all, we were born in New Jersey. 
um, and grew up there. And I, I, you know, as a little girl was very close to our family and everything like that. But due to, I don't know, due to whatever, but we did, my father was alcoholic and, and our home was abusive. And, okay. you know, uh, that's kind of like, for me, it, it, I relate it now to like maybe living around a terrorist. You just don't know when the eggs are going to break. You're walking on eggshells and you just don't know when they're going to break. Right. So my path, it, you know, it's funny. There's four girls and we've all taken completely different paths in life. Um, I was very rebellious and very angry when I was young. So I started uh, drinking at a very young age. And I always drank alcoholically. You know, the very first time I drank, I was sick for three days afterward. I was 14 years old and sick for three days. And I thought, this is horrible. And then I did it again. Right. You didn't <laughs> so, learn from it, right? <laughs> no, no, no. I don't learn from, I have to be, it, it's a character defect of mine. I have to be beaten into the ground to give in. And that is absolutely what happened. Um, you know, uh, I'm going to stay, you know, there's so many things that went on. There's no way I could tell you guys all of them. But I can tell you that my alcoholism progressed and it kept getting worse. And the consequences kept getting worse and worse and worse. The first consequence I say that really, really hurt me was a divorce. Okay. Um that broke my heart. I didn't want that. And still to this day, regret my drinking and stuff from then. So anyway, till I was 29, I, I drank uh, alcoholically. And, and then I actually went to a hypnotist because I could not stop. And I had been through some 12-step, and it wasn't through some 12-step programs. I had been to some 12-step programs and poo-pooed it. Because so you weren't really working the program. No, I was like walking in there going, oh, this is cute. <laughs> you know? Oh, I can go play softball with a bunch of sober people. Fine, maybe that'll keep me sober. You know, but I had, I wasn't serious at all. And I did not know that I wasn't serious. So finally I was serious. And I'm just going to, you know, a hypnotist did help me. I believe in all different ways of getting sober. Whatever works for you is awesome you know just awesome and and try different things you know try everything try anything i tried everything um psychiatrists psychologists blah 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 blah. the whole checklist you know none of it worked uh after the, the hypnotist did help me and after about 10 years of not drinking i when i walked into his office his name was mr Wright. i'm like you've got to be kidding me this is too cool. <laughs> so, love it. Love it. Um, yeah. After, uh, so I, I actually didn't drink for about 10 years, which was awesome, but I had zero, what I call now recovery. I changed nothing in my life other than not drinking. So I was still angry. <laughs> and now I had a new outlet though. I worked a lot, which thank God I did because that's helping me to this day. Right. I worked right. really hard for a long time. And, um, you know, when I look back, I realized that my plan never worked, that my life would never have been my plan, you know, but, but 
God did do for me what I couldn't do for myself. You know, I got a great job for a long time and was able to to manage. Um, But even so, so you were kind of white knuckling things. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. When I was at work, though, I worked 10, 12 hours a day. So it kept my brain really engaged, not 12 hours a day, but there were 10 hour days and it was in sales. So to be honest, that the type of work that I did, that was a high to me. It was a high to me when you're in sales and you're on straight commission, you get the deal. It's like, you know, so that really fulfilled a need that I had to have that. But yeah, I, I did white knuckle. Uh, a lot of times when people went out after work and the type of people that I worked with, we were, you know, there's a lot of addicts in that business. Right. So I didn't go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm just affirming. I, I, that, that is likely the case. Um, so, so bring me forward. I mean, you, you sober for 10 years, obviously something else happened. What came next? What came next was my grandfather got sick. He got very, very sick. And he and he passed away and I started to medicate myself and then uh, by taking his medicine. Okay. (laughs) And I, um, I, I started taking opiates and I loved them and they fixed everything for me. I felt like superwoman. Well, I went on to get hopelessly addicted to them for 10 years. I lost my job. I, lost my home where I was living down in South Florida, uh, moved up to DeLand and I ended up a crackhead. That's what I ended up. So don't, don't smoke crack to get off opiates. listening, Like that's, that's words of wisdom right there. That's right. Don't do that. That's part. That's how I ended up anyway. And in the two years that I did that, I literally lost my mind. I heard you say that you lost your mind and I literally lost my mind. Um, I had cut all the wires in my home because I was afraid things were watching me. I dug up dirt outside because I thought there was something in the air was making me sick. I was going to take these dirt samples in and have them tested, cut my hair off so I could have myself tested for what was wrong with me of course it couldn't be the dope <laughs> right that would be out right. of the question so anyway um i had been getting... everything other than in the mirror yeah everything other than that anything anything other than that you know please god let it be anything other than that i couldn't give i you know that was that was seriously my relief And when that word came out of my mouth one time when I was hitting the pipe, I realized that what I have been being told for 50 years at this point was true. I was just looking for relief. I was trying to kill everything else. And, you know, all the people say, oh, you're running away from your feelings. Oh, I poo-pooed everything. Right. I was wrong about everything. Wow. That's one thing I really want to get across. I love that. And 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 honestly, I want to save the next part of it for okay. uh, after the break. But Kelly, I'd okay. love to hear from you. I know that you have your own journey here um, that looked very different than Karen's. Share more with us about, you know, your story. Jason, thanks so much for having us. And I love the idea in the name of your 
your radio show unstuck because we all have something or many things that we would like to be able to move forward in in life. So thank you for having us. It's a pleasure. And you know, I'm listening to Karen, and it's I think that's the such the value of Warrior Sisters in the book is our stories are so different, and yet kind of where it took us in terms of um, recovery and being able to live life and enjoy life and, and do it without alcohol or drugs and, um, and the gifts that come from that. So uh, kind of the, the results, the same, the, the journey is very different, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And, you know, I was a high performer. I never uh, drank in high school. I, uh, was I was not like Karen. I was able to learn from other people's experiences. And I would look at my father, who was a daily drinker and, you know, violent and, you know, created a chaotic environment. And then I would look at Karen, who anytime she drank, she would black out or get violently ill. Or And I would think, well, that does not look like a lot of fun. And I want nothing to do with it. And so I vividly remember telling myself as a teenager, that I would never be an alcoholic and I would never have a problem with alcohol. And um, so for me, it, it, it was a progressive disease. Um, I did not drink in high school. I started drinking in college and I managed college well and got, you know, A's and did very well. And um, I definitely got drunk in college, but I just, felt like it was part of the experience and really didn't think it was, um, you know, a problem. And, and actually, I don't think it was at that point. Um, and then I moved to Southern California, and that was a wonderful place to be in my 20s and enjoy the outdoors and run and rollerblade and work out and enjoy drinking. Um, and so that seemed fine. And somewhere along the way, it went from being fun to being bondage and being fun and not being able to manage it. And so um, the issue of being a high performer, you know, I graduated high school a year early. I went to college and did very well. I started out as a special education teacher for behavioral disordered and learning disabilities. And then I went back and got my master's and got licensed as a um, a licensed marriage family therapist and uh, graduated cum laude. So I was a high performer and I looked good and I worked hard and I really believe that getting my master's degree and studying psychology really helped me create a framework for my childhood because I it was so chaotic and Karen didn't mention, but she was in and out of psychiatric hospitals and did a lot of self-harm as an adolescent. And so I kind of moved into the parentified child role and took care of my mom and my sisters while she was away and tried to make sense of things that seemed pretty crazy um, yeah. and uncontrollable. And so, <clears throat> again, I looked great on the outside. I was... Um, I was very successful. I had a national reputation for business development and marketing, and 
I also would drink with customers and referral sources and kind of had a budget to wine and dine and those types of things. So, you know, our stories are very different because I was able to function. I didn't miss time from work. I traveled nationally um, and, again, was well-respected in my field. And so for me, part of my denial was, that I wasn't an alcoholic because I was nothing like Karen and nothing like my father. And even I'd mention it to other family members and they would say, well, you're nothing like Karen. You don't have a problem. And so, you know, I was able to fly under the radar. And of course I loved hearing that. And so, you know, I went to my first 12 step meeting in 1996 and I didn't get sober until 2005. So for nine years, I knew that I had a problem but I would always, that denial would sneak back up and I would, you know, have short times of abstinence and say that I didn't need to stop drinking completely. And so, you know, I'm a person that never had any external consequences for drinking. I didn't have, um, you know, a DUI or a divorce or a loss of a job. It just kept taking away my joy and um, hurting myself. So uh, anyway, that said, in terms of my background, I studied and understand family systems and in terms of, you know, generational patterns. So Karen and I are fourth generation alcoholic. Um, we, you know, had a family legacy of drinking. Our family drank every single day. Um, and, you know, celebrations, dinner, there was always a reason to drink. And so um, when you grow up like that, I just thought it was normal. And uh, so I just want to mention kind of when I was studying and Claudia Black's work really saved my life in terms of family roles of children. And so I know, I knew Karen, like it finally made sense. Oh, Karen was the scapegoat of the family. She, she was the identified patient and she was labeled crazy and she was, you know, taken to psych hospitals, but really the whole family was very sick. And um, I think that those experiences in adolescence shaped me to be, to why I did what I did professionally and probably did it, you know, very successfully. So, right. um, you know, I stopped drinking Again, for nine years, I was kind of playing with the idea that I could have a problem. And I stopped drinking because um, I had been married for 15 years. And my husband and I had done a dance for many years and argued about alcohol. And I would play a lot of games to show him that I was able to manage it or control it or that I was willing to quit for short periods of time. And he was really ready to leave me and had a plan. And so... Um, when I say I never got divorced, um, it, 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 it could have happened. And I did not get sober for my husband, but it was a straw that, that um, broke the camel's back. And frankly, it was really one of the most loving things anyone's ever done for me. Um, yeah, I, I, I love that. And, and I love the counterbalance of your story and in, in the differentness. And, and Karen, it sounds like you kind of got labeled the bad girl. And Kelly, you were the oh. counterbalance of the good girl. And in a family structure and how that plays out in the world, it sounds like you both beautifully navigated that role throughout the course of your life. So 
Um, we're going to take a quick break here. I would love for us to come back and talk about the tipping point and what changed and 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 move into how you guys ended up here today. And um, we'll see you in, in just a minute. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. The White House doctor makes house calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Women, Life, and Science is the open forum for dialogue, the sharing of experiences, and storytelling. Tune in to hear Cecilia Zapata-Harms inspire you with her stories of challenges she overcame. Women, Life, and Science, Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Welcome back to the show. If you have a question for Jason or his guests, join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show with Jason. And welcome back to Get Unstuck Radio. Today, I am honored to have my guest, Warrior Sisters, Ke- Kelly Ryan and Karen Bird. Um, I want to thank you both for your courage and vulnerability to show up and share your stories with us um, in a way that I think most people are not inclined to do. I, I know that takes a real commitment to um, your own journeys of recovery and-, and having been in a similar spot myself from a different place. Um, there is a lot of healing that comes from just being able to show up and and be authentically who you are. So so thank you both. Um, when we left, you guys had both shared with us kind of your journeys um, of the ups and downs of life. Um, sounds like more downs than ups, maybe. Um, I would love to talk about the tipping point um, from your perspectives about how did you move from those most painful parts of your life into you know recovery and now sustained recovery. What was that like for you? Um, Karen, you want, you want to start? Sure, sure I do. I actually, um, it took me a long time to move there because I believed that if I couldn't do something myself, I was basically worthless. So I just didn't be- believe that, you know, outside help was going to help me. And some of that had to do with the hospital when I was younger, psychiatric hospitals. I was like, somebody said, oh, they want to help you. There was no trust factor at all for me. 
for anybody else besides myself. So I counted on myself. And as I, the last two years, um, I was getting arrested all the time. I was, uh, I was arrested 12 times with felony charges of possession and, and, um, you know, just the crazy. What really happened for me, my tipping point was I lost my mind, the paranoia, and I, there was nobody left, nobody. Right. My, speak to my family anymore because I hurt them all the time. And I just wanted to be alone with the drugs. I cut everything off and I was seeking you know, and one night I, I literally, I had an experience that, oh, from my higher power, from, from Jesus, it's straight from God for me. That's, that's how I was able to recover. He let me know that somehow everything was going to be all right. And I just broke down and I cried and I said, God, fix me or kill me tonight. One of the two, because I don't want to do this anymore. I finally found the end of my rope. You know, people say, oh, you have to get to a bottom. And that used to, I used to laugh at that and go, <laughs> which one? <laughs> you know, right. come on, get real bottom. Six feet under is bottom. But finally, I hit a place that was my bottom. And I didn't stop right away because I didn't know how. But what I, after, and, and then again, getting arrested again, put me in confinement where my body and my brain had to clean up, had to clear up. And as that was happening, everything, I, I called myself opposite girl. I live in backwards world now. I don't do anything the way I used to. I used to react immediately to any outside stimulus. Now I don't do that. This has been a long journey of learning who I am. Right. And I never knew that. I never knew who I was. I was just whatever you wanted me to be for that five minutes or 10 minutes or, you know, tell anybody what they wanted to hear so they would get off your back. Now I am confident. I'm happier than I've ever been. I'm 60. I'm going to be 62 years old. So, and this nine years of sobriety to me has been the beginning of my life. I used to feel like my life was just a bad movie. You know, like I was actually watching it going, man, this is a bad, this is a nightmare. When is this movie going to end or start? Actually, is what it was right. like. When right. is this movie going to start? It was just a long trailer <laughs> for a bad movie. And that experience and accepting my higher power into my life it, because of desperation, pain, no other options. You know, my friend says, oh, my golf card said zero. Well, my everything in my life said zero. I had no place else to turn. So it was, God, if you are real. And the other part was, if you think you can do something with me, because I don't know how to do this. Right. I don't know how to live sober day by day. So... I learned a little bit in rehab. Luckily, I was sent to rehab from the courts because I would never go on my own. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. no, <laughs> Amy Winehouse, you know, no, 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 I'm not going to rehab. <laughs> it's my theme song. Um, so opening my mind and opening my heart was a tipping point. But that was something I couldn't do for myself because I was shut down. 
You know, listening to your story, I, I'm so inspired, and there are many pieces of, of it that that remind me of my own journey. And and I too, in that darkest moment, really was at that place where where begging God for help was the only next step. You know, I, I remember walking through a Walmart looking for ways on how I was going to end my life. And I was so exhausted. It was it was a Saturday night before Halloween. I was so exhausted in that in that walking down those aisles. I just went home and went to bed and had this really prophetic dream that that was like, help me. I'm struggling. And then, you know, what came after, um, you know, didn't unravel any better, but it was a starting point and a turning point to what came next. The other thing that I heard from you in sharing your story is this this ability through sobriety that you show up, and I'm going to use different words here, to be responsive and not reactive. You know, when Absolutely. things come up, to be able to respond and not react. And 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 I think it's so important for anybody that's listening that has struggled with their own journey or is struggling or may know someone that is you know the beautiful thing about life i think is it is it is a series of chances and that it it is because of grace that we are given opportunities to begin again and I, you know i i don't think it has to be a story as profound as yours but the the reality is from my perspective what is meant for you does not pass you by and it it sounds like it took you 50 plus years of a journey and life experience to to get to this place of I cannot do this alone. And and I and I want to reiterate for anybody that's listening, you know, it, it, the inspiration of the stories we're hearing today, like they are sharing with you that they didn't do this alone either and it was a, a journey of fits and starts that really comes back to trusting in something bigger that's guiding you regardless of what that is. I mean it doesn't have to be God per se, but you know, a sense of faith of something that's bigger than you and I really believe that is a sustaining principle that helps so many of us. Oh, no doubt for, for me, that's, that's um, cause like I said, I did try everything else. And if, right. if God didn't come in at, at that point, I, I would have, you know, I, I was the same way. I wanted to die. Right. I just wanted to die. And, right. um, and I, and I, I didn't really want to die. I just wanted the pain to stop. You used that word yes. earlier. <laughs> And, and I think that's what so many of us, of us are looking for in those darkest moments of how how do I make the pain stop? And I think that's how people, you know, end up in the depths of, of addiction to begin with is they really don't have any other coping school skills to navigate what pains them and they just want to not feel. You know, that to me is, is a root cause of why a lot of us end up doing things that are harmful for us. You know, feeling is painful a lot of the times. Yes. Especially when, you know, um, I, everybody I meet, I do a lot of different things now that I, uh, I love doing, I go to the jail to, to talk to the girls there because I was them. I am them. You know, um, I go to the rehab to talk to the girls because again, I was them. I am them, you know, and, and when I see them, I see this big, huge spirit that's inside of them. It's, and and they're beautiful to me, you know, they're just beautiful to me. And life now for me is, it's amazing every day because now I don't know what's going to happen. 
Now I do turn my life over on a daily basis and say, hey, if you can use me, use me. Great. If it's my day to sit on the couch today, that's okay too. And it's not, I don't feel like it's um, low expectations for myself, although sometimes I think that. But it is absolutely a beautiful, easier life, not having to be in control and not having to plan every second of my life and just say, you know, hey, hey, God, I want to I want to put good out there. It's that simple. I just want to put good out there. I put enough bad into the world, (laughs) you know, and I know I'm forgiven for that. That's another thing that was huge for me. I don't beat myself up anymore. Now, it took me years in recovery to get to that point that none of this was immediate. It's a lot for me. It was reading. Uh, I love to read. So I study different things. And, you know, um, but I call them spiritual downloads that I've gotten over time. Those revelatory moments that just says, oh, I don't have to be better than anybody else. Right. And the wall doesn't have to fall on you to do it. I can just be me. I love it. Kelly, I I know your journey probably looked different than Karen's. I mean, as you were talking about earlier, I'd love to hear from you. What was your tipping point? I mean, you had mentioned earlier that, you know, the the possibility of a pending divorce kind of shook things loose, but you had been grappling with this for for nine years prior. What What was the turning point? Well, it definitely was my husband and our marriage and valuing the relationship. And I had been in conflict about my drinking for a long time. And so, and again, the denial of saying, well, I'm not as bad as, and even surrounding myself with people who drank more than I did. (laughs) So I could say, well, you know, I didn't, that don't look like that, but you know, I do want to talk about the concept of, you know, hitting rock bottom because I don't think that somebody has to, you know, be arrested or get a DUI or, uh, and, and maybe that's something that has to do more with a personality of a person. But again, I could look at my dad who I knew was dying of cirrhosis of the liver. And I could look at Karen who was in a drug induced psychosis. And I could, and I could know in my heart that if I kept, doing what I was doing, I could look like that too. Right. And so, you know, that is the value of 12 step programs. When I wasn't ready, I would go to them and say, I'm nothing like you people. I can't relate to you people. And I don't belong here. When I was really ready to stop drinking, I went to the same meetings with the same people and, and would be able to look at the similarities and see that I too was an alcoholic. It just, could look different, but the common themes are the isolation alcohol creates, the numbness, the depression, the anxiety, and those are the tipping points for me. You know, everything was really good in my life. I had a great job. I had a great marriage, and yet I'm depressed and anxious all the time. Um, And the things that I did to try to stop drinking, you know, for nine years was go to meetings, deny that, that I was like those people, you know, I was seeing therapists and psychiatrists and lying to them. So that that's really funny to me in hindsight, like I'd pay good money and go and lie. Um, 
And, you know, it wasn't their fault that they weren't able to help me. I tried acupuncture. You know, I tried abuse, I tried yoga. I made lots of commitments and promises to myself and others. And so, you know, and I was fiercely independent. And I was, like I said, a high performer and used to being able to manage things that I wanted to manage. And alcohol was one of the things, probably one of the only things that I couldn't manage in my life effectively or give up effectively. So, um you know, I, it told, it, it, I did have to admit complete defeat and I had to ask for help. And when I asked for help, you know, it's, it's just a beautiful thing. I mean, people in recovery really want to help you for no other reason than giving back what was freely given to them. And, um, and I'm still overwhelmed by that 17 years later. And, you know, I, and I give back now and I'm part of the, part of the process. But um, it, the other thing that was common with Karen and I, and I would say probably many families, is it was not a family member that could help us. And right. believe me, we tried. <laughs> uh, it was I not mean, I know you certainly member. tried to help Karen. Yes, yes, we tried. And, and, you know, so it was a complete stranger that was for me, you know, willing to hug me on the way in, hug me on the way out and, and be patient and um, share with me what worked for them. And I have to say that, you know, the only thing I had that was different this time after nine years of going to 12 step meetings was I went into a women's group and I said to myself, if, if it works for these people, it could work for me too. Well, and really what I'm hearing from both of you, and I mean, in, in the, the many other people I've worked with over the years and my my own journey included, is um, it really is a journey about, A, getting real with yourself and and ultimately done well about learning to love yourself. And, and for those of us who grow up in painful family structures that have abuse, that have alcoholism, that have, you know, tremendous trauma... I'm not sure that love is always at the top of the list. And it doesn't mean those people don't love you, but the negative consequences or the damaging effects that are a result of, of those relationships really play out through the course of our lives. And, 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 you know, what I've recognized is, you know, even being close to 50 now, I, I can look back and say, you know, um, I believe people do the best they can. And sometimes their best isn't good enough. But most of us are walking around wounded, trying to heal the things that happened to us in the first seven or eight years of our lives and 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 the the unintended consequences of how those play out. I mean, you guys have shared your beautiful stories today from very different perspectives. And what I love about having you both both as guests together is you came from the same place and it and it manifested itself into something very different yet similar and how that that those stories get woven together into what we call family history yes it is oh you know to me it's amazing i am so just i have my family back i am a part of a family again i didn't think that would ever happen and that's probably the th it is the thing second to my breath <laughs> and having a life right. that I am most grateful for in my life because that's what I love the most in my life is my family, you that's know, and uh, I I always this 
for me, the gratitude is ongoing and I keep it daily. Uh, I'm grateful for everything. Like I said, I'm grateful for my breath. And I know, I believe, my firm belief is that a grateful heart will not pick up or drink again because I've got nothing to, I'm happier now. I'm, I, I am still selfish. I have to say this. If this was an unhappy journey for me, I might go back because I am that human. You know, I'm just human. And frankly, that's what's real and what's raw. So I want us to take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about this amazing memoir that you all have co-authored, uh, Warrior Sisters, and, and really, really get into that a little bit. So we'll be back in two minutes. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. Stuck in a state of being that holds us back from creating the life we truly desire. Regardless of your own blocks or limitations, imagine an easier way to get unstuck and move forward with your life. On this show... Jason Hopkins shares his practical next right step approach that will move you toward the life you really want. You too can be steps from getting the abundance, love, support, and fulfillment your heart desires. Get unstuck. Move forward with your life with Jason Hopkins. Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Women Thriving Unapologetically is a sanctuary to land and feel connected through inspiring and powerfully honest conversations with women like you. Each show uncovers new ways to live a life that flourishes, prospers, and grows in spite of life's challenges. Discover valuable tools to heal old wounds, transform your mindset, honor your body, and nurture your unique gifts. Celebrate what it means to be a woman who claims her self-worth, nurtures her connection to spirit, empowers her vision, and thrives unapologetically. Live every Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Welcome back to the show. If you have a question for Jason or his guests, join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show with Jason. Welcome back to Get Unstuck Radio. I am here with my amazing guests, Karen Bird and Kelly Ryan, the Warrior Sisters. Um, we've been talking about their journey of recovery. And when we left you, we were just talking about the tipping point for each of them in their own recovery journey. What I'd really love to jump into next with you guys is tell me how Warrior Sisters was inspired. I mean, you all have had amazing recovery journeys and sustained recovery at this point. 
what was the inspiration for you guys to take those stories and turn them into a book that, again, for anybody who's listening, um, you should absolutely pick a, a copy of Warrior Sisters up. I was left turning each page um, wanting to know more. Um, what was what was the point of inspiration for you all? Well, my inspiration was Kelly, to tell you the truth. So okay. I'm going to let her take this one over a little bit and um, just talk about that because uh, COVID helped us also with that. So, Kel, you want to? Well, in, in my career, I've met some really remarkable people that that make such a difference in our world. And I had originally had some passion around wanting to maybe write stories about them. And I still may do that. But for whatever reason, I kept procrastinating and procrastinating. And a friend had mentioned that she thought that Karen and I's story would be really powerful and well-received and that people could benefit from it. And it really resonated with me. I thought, wow, that's a great idea. And so I called Karen and I said, how do you feel about writing a book? And she said, yeah, sure. <laughs> Literally, that's all she said. And um, so we sat down and, and wrote our book. And we each wrote our own sections. Um, Karen journaled all of hers by hand and spoke it into a phone. And I uploaded it and put in punctuations and paragraphs. And that's how she wrote her sections. And I wrote mine. And we got some great feedback initially about, you know, write until we felt like we had nothing else to say and and don't edit it, you know, along the way and that type of thing. And so we had a lot of content and then we hired a book coach to help us figure out how to organize it in a way that would be um, readable and, and fun for, for, for readers. And so that process took about 18 months. And um, I've heard that that's, pretty fast actually but but we we and as karen said COVID knew your was stuff helpful. yeah yeah karen karen was uh covid was helpful so i mean the, really the, the 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 purpose of writing the book for me and it was really a, a variety of reasons um one is to instill hope and inspiration for all people because i think whether you have an addiction or a mental health issue or you like to shop too much or whatever the issue is that, um, uh, you know, in our circumstances, I wanted people to understand that no matter how far down things go or how hopeless you feel, there is always a solution and there's always an answer. You just have to take the first step in wanting to make the change. And um, so that was one reason to instill hope and inspiration into others. And honestly, I had Karen dead and buried, so I had given up. Um, and so that's, that's why I wanted to write the book, because in my wildest dreams, I never thought that she could recover from her crack cocaine, crack cocaine addiction. So that was number one. Number two was to... Um, really hopefully affect the stereotypes of people that are afflicted with alcoholism and addiction because, you know, there are lawyers, there are physicians, there are teachers, there are therapists, there are, you know, people still perceive alcoholics as, you know, homeless people living under a bridge. And there is some truth to that. But there's so many people, you know, suffering on the inside that still are able to function and, um, I wanted to 
to hopefully make a difference with the stereotypes around what we look like. Because, yes, Karen and I are an alcoholic or an addict or both. But guess what? We're sisters. We're writers. We're therapists. We're uh, volunteers. We're a lot of things. And that's just one piece of who we are. And 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 you're working to make a difference. Yeah, that that to me, you know, that that you've taken these these painful stories and turned them into legacy work of how are you going to show up to serve others? That is so inspiring to me. I I, I cannot stress enough, you know, and, and, and for anybody that's listening, if you think that you don't know somebody that struggles with addiction, you do. Um, you know, it is everywhere. And, and, and I go back to and not to unpack the the root cause of addiction. But I mean, to keep it really simple, addiction in its purest form is about people not wanting to feel whatever it is they're not wanting to feel. And that can look like, as Kelly mentioned, a variety of ways. It doesn't have to be drugs and alcohol. It can be shopping. It can be sex. It can be food. It can be anything. And it does take courage to show up for yourself in a different way, um, to support yourself, really like we were talking about earlier, looking in the mirror and learning to love yourself and love what is. And, and I can say from my own experience, long after that, I still struggle with looking in the mirror sometimes and recognizing that even after all of the work that I've done, it's still work, you know, mm-hmm. but Aaron, as you mentioned earlier, the work builds upon the work and it becomes worth it at some point and you realize that there's more good and as you leave behind this this the the broken bodies in the past you you really can evolve into a different season of your life and show up for others in a way that unless you've been there is one of the most gratifying things i personally have ever done yeah me too i kind of look at it like this i i i look at it as a as a as a like balance thing. And I think if I spent 52 years putting bad out there, I know I don't have another 52 years left. So the shorter part of my life, which is what's left is gotta be so good. Okay. To counterbalance that. And that has been my experience so far. I wouldn't trade the last eight years of my life for another 50 years of the first, you know what I mean? If, 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 if I just, um, I never understood what being quote happy was. I thought that I hated that word. I mean, I'm like happy that, that we're not in this world to be happy. Okay. Go do something, get a job, whatever. And I still don't, I don't like to use the word happy. My dad said that happy is for clowns. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> and nobody likes a clown. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Scary things that they are. But that that the deep hole inside is gone. Thanks. It's gone. It's filled. And and that the peace and and I guess the word serenity, you know, is um is an awesome feeling. And once I had that, I never want to give that up. I know and I know I don't get that from me. I know I get that from my higher power who is Jesus and that my relationship with him is the most important thing to keep the rest of this in place. Right. And and it sounds like you've, you've really lived by the principles of the program, you know, and recognizing the gifts that can come from sobriety. 
Um, you know, and, and I go back to that word happy a minute ago, and I, and I meant no offense to clowns if we have any listening. You all are wonderful. <laughs> and, and, and serve to help make people have, have joy. Um, you know, something that was shared with me along the way is happiness is a choice. And I really do believe that in any moment, you have the ability to show up and choose, am I going to be happy in this moment or not? And again, I'm not saying that the goal is to do that consistently, you know, all day, every day. But I mean, there, when you get to a certain place, there is this, this ability to navigate life and recognize that, that you have a choice. So I guess my next question is, is for anybody that's listening, that is, is maybe stuck in that spot, they've danced on the edge of, of getting, you know, getting help or, or, or facing an addiction. What, what would you say from your words would, would be maybe a guiding principle for somebody to look to or, you know, move forward from? I can tell you what my first thing would be. Stop thinking about it. Stop thinking about it and take some action. Love You know, you can stay in your head forever and nothing changes until you quote bust a move. (laughs) Okay. Um, you're not going to get anywhere. And I personally had to have that done for me because I didn't think any, I was, I was hopeless. I had no hope anymore. So that prayer, I would say, take some action and ask for help. And when you can't ask somebody outside for help, just talk to God, really just, and, and, and a prayer can be one word, which is help. You right. know, it doesn't have to be some long thing. Just, I'm done. I'm so done. <laughs> and for those who are listening that maybe not, maybe God is not their guiding principle. I mean, it, it is okay to ask the universe for help. You know, it Absolutely. is okay to say, I am powerless in this moment and need need somebody to lend a hand up. Um, yes. Kelly, what would you say? Well, I totally agree with what Karen said. And, you know, I, my husband and I used to fight about it. I would say, I have a disease. And he would say, no, you're making a choice. And I think it's both. Um, Because, you know, I'm not debating that alcoholism is a disease. At the same time, I ultimately had to make a choice. I had to make a decision. And there were times where I played games and thought I made a decision, but wasn't really committed to taking the action. And so I do think it's about taking the action. Um, You know, the other thing is that my fear was that, you know, I was holding this big secret and that everybody cared whether I was an alcoholic or not, you know, and disclosing it was going to ruin my career and, you know, all the facades that I put up um, and, and the guardedness that I had And when I really just was willing to share, take some risks and share in a vulnerable way, people showed up. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if I was never willing to open that door and I stayed isolated, um, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. And so I I concur with everything Karen said. And I just want to encourage people, take a risk, show some vulnerability have some discernment around who you're talking with and, and, you know, you will have some very significant gifts that come from that. 
Well, and that really plays into what I always um, describe as the next right step approach in my own work of working with clients. Like, you know, really, I think change happens in an instant. It may be built upon yes. a lifetime of experiences, but it happens in an instant. And and really, what any of us need is that twenty seconds of courage to show up for ourselves and take a next step. And and sometimes asking for help is recognizing, I don't know the next step, but having the courage to talk to somebody who is maybe further along the path or who, you know, is, is further in the journey that can show up and, and guide you in a way that, that you're not able to for yourself. Like it is amazing how, when you're ready, the teacher appears, (laughs) things make, make space for, for you to get exactly what you need. And I go back to what we talked about earlier what is meant for you will not pass you by. I wholeheartedly believe that. And sometimes in life, we want to push the timing forward and make it happen in our own way in an effort to control things. And I just don't think that that's where you get the real fruit of the journey. You know, there are things that are meant to happen serendipitously in ways that we will never be able to explain, but that make all the difference. So one last simple question. I know you've talked about this in different ways. Give me one nugget of what you're most grateful for in this journey from each of you. Wow. Oh, I I am grateful for my brand new life. I am grateful for my breath. I love it. Kelly. I'm grateful that I love myself. (laughs) That's beautiful. We'll stop. (laughs) That's it, girl. So we have just a couple of minutes left. Kelly and Karen, tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you guys. Where can they buy your book and how can they follow up with you if they want to reach you directly? Well, we would love to hear from our readers and listeners. And you can do that through kellyandkaren.com. There's a place to send us emails and we, we will respond. And we would really love and appreciate hearing from you guys. You can purchase Warrior Sisters on Amazon or any book retailer. Um, when I'm down, I go to Amazon and I read the reviews because they're beautiful and they bring tears to my eyes. And I hope that um, anyone that has an interest will, will go to Amazon or kellyandkaren.com. And on kellyandkaren.com, we have a great 45-second book trailer, and it's very powerful. And I would encourage others to take a look at that as well. I love that. And I I just, go ahead. Okay. I do want to add also that the book delves a lot deeper into, you know, a a lot of things that went on. So it's kind of juicy in parts. (laughs) I want to say it was a page turner. I loved it. Again, I'll give you a plug. I encourage anybody listening to, to get yourself a copy of it. And finally, we would love to have you subscribe to Get Unstuck Radio show pages. You can find us at Get Unstuck Radio on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Um, Next week, we have another incredible guest coming up, Don Tolop. Don is a seasoned branding and marketing professional who is also passionate about helping those who struggle with the challenges of life. You won't want to miss our inspired conversation next week. Until next time, remember, every journey begins with a next step, and you too can be your own champion. Thanks for listening to today's show. We hope we've helped you identify how you can overcome the mental block that's been keeping you stuck. Until we talk again, we wish you a great week.